Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gelman Report, episode 66. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about three of my favorite NBA draft prospects. I know the NBA Finals is going on as we speak, but once that is over, once the Finals has concluded, it is draft season. And even right now, with the Finals going on, you could see plenty of mock drafts, plenty of articles going out about all these prospects. And so I wanted to join in on some of that fun and talk about some of my favorite prospects. And so just before we go into those three guys, I think I just wanted to talk about this draft a little bit in the general sense of things and that I think that this is one of the not best drafts ever, but it is one of the deepest drafts. Um, And obviously, if you look at the top three guys, some of the most versatile and best draft prospects that we've ever seen, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Benchero, and Jabari Smith Jr., um, those are for sure the top three guys. And then you look later on, um, you know, four through 14 for the rest of the lottery, a lot of good uh, players through there and at the end of the first round for sure. But then I like to focus on the second round where I think there's a lot of value to be seen there. Um, and we're seeing that firsthand in the NBA finals. You know, there's a lot of players in these in this year's finals that have played in the G League um, or that have not been, you know, big name prospects coming into the NBA and coming into the draft. Obviously, Draymond Green, he was a second-round pick. Jordan Poole, a second-round pick. And for the Celtics, um, you know, Grant Williams, he was not a big name coming out of college. Prayton Pitchard was not a big name coming into his draft class. But those players, they've made a big difference on their teams throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs, and are now, um, you know, in Draymond Green's sense, and Jordan Poole's their star players. And for the Celtics, you know, Robert Williams and... Grant Williams and uh, Peyton Pritchard, they're not stars, but they're they're big contributor contributors to a championship caliber team that is only three wins away from an NBA championship. So I think that as fans, and I'm not telling, you know, the general manager how to do their job, but you have to, you know, your second round picks I still I still think are valuable and you should try to get the most value out of them. And I think that's especially what can be done in this year's draft. And we're gonna highlight one of those guys later on in today's episode. But starting off with someone who is going to be a first round pick and is going to be, um, in my opinion, um, a lottery pick, and that's Dyson Daniels, point guard from the G League Ignite. So Dyson Daniels, he is an Australian point guard um, who played, as I mentioned, for the G League Ignite this past year. He's 6'6", 205 pounds with a 6'9 wingspan. Um, he averaged this year in the G League 11.3 points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.4 assists, and 1.9 steals in 31.2 minutes per game. So nothing crazy when it comes to um, his stats, but I think one uh, a reason for that is because he was playing um, alongside a lot of ball-dominant players and a lot of um, great prospects uh, for this year's draft and next year's draft, starting off with Jaden Hardy, um, who's going to be a first-round pick, um, Marjan Beecham, obviously another guy who's going to be a first-round pick, and Michael Foster, power forward center for the G League Unite, who's going to be drafted in this year's draft. He, he has a lot of upside to be a first-round pick, but will for sure end up being drafted in the second round or potentially even earlier. Um, and that's not even the best, you know, those are three guys that are great, but arguably the best player on this team was Scoot Henderson, a 17-year-old who can't even be drafted in this year's draft. He will be a first round and a in my opinion a top five pick in next year's draft um 
so yeah, uh, Dyson Daniels playing a, with a, playing alongside a lot of great prospects, a lot of guys who are ball dominant, who also want to show off their skills. So that's why I think his stats were more pedestrian and not uh, mind-boggling and out of this world, um, like uh, Chet Holmgren or Paolo Benchero. Um, but nonetheless, uh, to me, and I think to a lot of fans and a lot of NBA teams, uh, Daniels is one of the most in- interesting and intriguing prospects in this year's draft. Um, and our number one reason is because of his size at the guard position. That is what people are really interested um, in, you know, versatile players, especially at the guard position that can score and be playmakers, but then on the defensive side can be versatile. And I think, you know, I don't think that this is not my player comp for Dyson Daniels, but that's why we saw, I think a big reason why we saw um, last year's draft to go the way it did. You know, we saw Cade Cunningham, you know, extremely versatile guard, 6'6", similar build to Dyson Daniels. Evan Mobley, who's a seven-foot power forward, can play center, can guard arguably any any player on the court. And then you had Scotty Barnes, another power forward, 6'8". He could play the guard position. He could guard one through five. He's versatile as well. So I think that's what teams are looking for now, and I think that's why Dyson Daniels is so intriguing uh, because of his size and length. Um, and you know, so similar to Scotty Barnes, he could kind of do everything on the court. He could score a little bit, rebound, pass, and obviously play defense. So he's one of the taller guards in this draft. This draft is filled with guards. You know, Kennedy Chandler, Ty Ty Washington. Those are more of the shorter side of you know six feet and six feet to six three. But Daniels is six three, big, tall guard. Um, and so I think even with his extra height, he still has some of the abilities as the smaller guards like Kennedy Chandler. Um, So he can score in a variety of ways with a really nice handle. Um, And, you know, that handle leads to nice playmaking um, and good passing uh, for his teammates as he, you know, he averaged 4.4 assists a game. Um, And due to his size, he's a good rebounder at the guard position. So obviously he has good tools to be a good offensive player. um, But, the best thing about him is his defense. And before we start about his defense, um, one negative that he has um, is his outside shot needs to be improved for sure. Um, This year for the G League Ignite, he shot less than 30% from three. So that's a little concerning, but I think for a lot of young guys, that's what happens when they come to the league. They need to um, get used to the NBA three-point line, um, and they need to improve their shot form and mechanics. So I'm not worried about Dyson Daniels and his shot. Uh, once he gets in the NBA gym and starts, you know, lifting and getting with the coaches, his his three point shot is going to improve. Uh, but his best his best attribute by far, by far, is his defense, and that's obviously due to his large frame. He's a bigger guard, so he can guard. I think one through five, one through four, for sure, potentially in a small ball situation, a one through five. Um, and so, whichever team drafts him, he, they're getting extreme they're getting they're getting a player that extremely versatile um, when it comes to defense and we see that in the NBA finals this year you know the Celtics were able one of the reasons they were able to uh, make it to the finals is that they were able to switch everything with players like Grant Williams Jalen Brown playing fantastic defense Robert Williams who is a true center but he's also extremely versatile with able being able to guard one through five and so I think Dyson Daniels adds you know he he can do that he can be the guard that guards the point guard 
and even with the quicker foot speed, um, he's able to keep up with the quick point guard. But if he gets switched on to a, a, a guard in the po to a to a post player, he'd still be able to hold his own. Um, and so his defense definitely showed this past year with a lot of highlight plays, blocks, and steals. Um, and his averages showed that 1.9 steals a game, steals a game, almost two steals um, a game. And so that's you know his versatility definitely showed this year in the G League Ignite. Um, so D- uh, Dyson, he's considered a lock for a lottery pick. 100% he's going to be a lottery pick. But for me, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and I have him going even earlier than that. And I have him going number 10 overall, top 10 pick, Dyson Daniels, going to the Washington Wizards. And so this is my logic for that. So the Wizards have plenty of front court players. But what they lack is you know help at the guard position. Um, so obviously they had Bradley Beal, but he's not a true point guard. They had Ish Smith, Ish Smith, starting point guard, not very good. Ish Smith, excuse me, not a starting point guard in this year in the NBA. Raul Neto, not a starting point guard in the NBA. So they need a guard. Um, they need a they need a good point guard, and not only a good point guard, they need a point guard who can play defense. Um, because besides. Um, you know they have Kristaps who lacks a little bit of defense. Kuzma not great defense. Rui not so good at defense. Besides Denny, who this year was statistically one of the best, Denny of the, uh, statistically one of the best defenders in the NBA. They don't have a lot of defense, um, and especially at the guard position. With Beal being how you know he's amazing. He's one of the best offensive players in the league. He really is terrible at defense. So getting Daniels would be a perfect fit. You know, he's a willing passer. He's a playmaker for Beal and, you know, the other guys around him. And a versatile defender, as I mentioned, that will help Beal's lack of defense. So if you add Daniels with Beal, Rui Hachimura, Kyle Kuzma, you know, Denny Avdia, Chris Stepps Porzingis, you know, what, what's his name? Uh, KCP, um, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. That's a nice little roster there in the East that sometimes cannot be, you know, as competitive um, as the West, and for me, that is at least, at least, easily, easily a play-in team. Um, and they're saying that, uh, you know, you know, um, and they're, you know, Zach Levine potentially could go there and team up with Bradley Beal. Uh, they'd have to trade away some of their, some of their guys. But you know, I think that that what those players I named just now that that's easily a play-in team for me. And that's exactly what the Wizards want. They want to win now. And I think Dyson Daniels. He's a win-now player. He's not a project. He can come in and help your team right away. So Dyson Daniels, big fan of his. Would love to see him go in the top 10 to the Wizards. Or if he falls a little bit, I know the Knicks, I know the Knicks general management, the front office, and the Knicks fans would love to have him because they've had a struggle um, with the point guard position in years, to, um, you know, for years now. And so I think Dyson Daniels would be a great alongside um rj barrett in madison square garden but i have him going at 10 to the wizards moving on to the second uh player that we're going to be talking about today and that is jeremy shohan a forward from baylor um he is 6'9 with a seven foot wingspan two 230 pounds and 19 years of age so this year at Baylor, Baylor, he averaged 9.2 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, 1.8 assists per game in 25 minutes per game. Um, he was Big 12 All-Freshman Team and, 12, and Big 12 Sixth Man of the Year um, in 25 games, only starting one game. Um, so let's talk about Jeremy Shohan for a little bit. So for me, and I think for most players, for most 
um, analysts looking at him, um, showing he's a versatile 6'9 forward with a 7-foot wingspan um, and possesses some of the highest potential in this year's draft. I think he's similar to Dyson Daniels, that he's not... He, he doesn't play the guard position, but he has the same type of versatility. Um, his best attribute is his defense. Um, and I think he, you know, watching film um, throughout the year and then going back and watching more film, I think um, he's very fast for his six foot nine frame. So I think that with his foot speed, um, he would be able to guard one through five, similar to, you know, I keep mentioning Grant Williams and Draymond Green, but those are the guys that I've just been watching in this year's finals. Um, so he could defend the post, um, obviously with a six nine and seven foot wingspan, and is lengthy, lengthy and fast enough to guard in the perimeter. Um, again, he is one of those versatile forwards that is a meta and prototype for what people are looking for in the NBA. Um, so his defense, obviously similar to Daniel's, his that's his best attribute. It's incredibly impressive the way he can you know move around the court and be versatile guard one through five. Um, and if he's a perfect small ball center for any team, you know six foot nine. If he can, he can for sure play the five in the NBA. Um, but while his defense is good, not no. While his defense is great and incredibly impressive, he could still get it done on offense. He has a smooth mid range jumper um, and can drive the ball with either hand. Um, so that's you know that's great news. Um, so you know he he doesn't meaning. He has some skills on offense, uh, but his three-point shot does need to get improved, similar to Daniels, um, as he only shot 29% from three this year um, at Baylor with around less than, around 2.7 per um, attempts a game. Um, as a ball handler, he's surprisingly impressive. Um, he is, in my opinion, he's one of the best big man passers um, in this year's draft uh, behind uh, Trayvon Williams from Purdue. Uh, so he's a great playmaker and passer for his size. He has a good handle. And as I mentioned before, his quickness will be able to allow him to, in one-on-one -on -one situations with a lot of ISO in the NBA, you know, recently, um, he'd be able to beat slower defenders that are his size, 6'9 and above, to the basket because of his handle and his quickness. Uh, so he, you know, just... I'm listening to myself talk, and he just seems like he's the full package. Um, but you know, his numbers are not impressive, not as impressive as Chet or Paolo or Jabari. Um, but he is the exact player, as I mentioned before, that teams want in today's league. Um, he reminds me of a Grant Williams type player, uh, but with a better handle and a worse three-point shot, um, and uh, a better defending Kyle Kuzma um, with a little less of a three-point shot. So that type of, I've also seen a lot of players, uh, a lot of comparisons to Chuma Okiki, who's a power forward for the Orlando Magic, who was a star um, at Auburn when he played in college. Um, so they, they say Chuma Okiki plus. Um, so I see that, but I, I think that he has higher potential uh, than any of these guys I mentioned. Uh, definitely Chuma Okiki, Grant Williams, and Kyle Kuzma. Um, so if he can improve his three-point shot, then the sky's the limit for him because then he'd be I think almost unstoppable with his handle and quickness and defensive versatility adding a three-point shot onto that um, so similar to Daniels Shohan um, is for sure a lottery guy he's for sure a lottery pick but I have him going a little bit in the lottery but you know right at the end of it kind of at pick number 12 and that is going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder so the Thunder have the second pick in the draft so they're either gonna get Chet Smith or Paulo. I think that the Magic are going to either take Chet or Smith. 
Um, and so whichever one doesn't get taken there, I think the Thunder will take. So I think they get Jabari Smith, the Thunder. Um, and so then if you get Jeremy at pick 12, I think that's a perfect fit. Uh, because he's a versatile defender uh, with a, and a sneaky playmaker that won't take shots away from the stars that are already on that team with Shy and Josh Giddy. Um, and so if you have Shy Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, you know Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, um, and Jeremy Shohan and Lugans Dort, um, and also the crazy amount of picks they have in this year's draft and in years to come, that is a really good core right now, young core right now, and amazing future. Um, I don't think Jeremy potentially, I think he has the potential to be a star, all-star in the league. But even if he doesn't come out that way and he just is a Draymond Green type of guy or just a Kyle Kuzma, an improved Kyle Kuzma, uh, or as they said, you know, Grant Williams plus plus or something like that, that's still a huge, you know, win for the Thunder at pick 12. So I think that that would be a steal, honestly, to get, you know, uh, to get Jeremy at pick 12. He's one of my favorite prospects. I'm excited to watch him for years to come in the league. Um, and I think that the Thunder, they would be a perfect fit because they they have good uh, development there for the young guys. And I think he would just fit in great with the other young core that they have there. Um, and then moving on to my third player, uh, the third and final player that we're going to be talking about in today's episode. This is a guy who is not a first round. He's not a lottery pick. And he is not even a, not even a first round pick. And in some mock drafts, they have him not even getting drafted, which I think is just ridiculous. Um, and that is Andrew Nebhard, senior point guard out of Gonzaga. Um, so Andrew Nebhard is a 6'5 point guard with 6'6 wingspan, 22 years old. So one of the older pro- prospects in this year's draft. Um, averaged 11.8 points per game, 3.4 rebounds per game, 5.8 assists per game, and 1.9 turnovers a game this year for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Um so as I mentioned, Nebhardt is getting some attention in this year's draft, but not as much as I think he should be getting. Um, so these past two years, he's been the starting point guard on one of the best teams in the country for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Um, he does not have the same upside, I think, as some of the other players in this in this draft, especially at the guard position with Ty Ty Washington, Kennedy Chandler, Dyson, um, Daniels, you know, Benedict Matherin does not have the same upside as those guys but he's a four-year experienced player um, that he can help a contending team the moment he steps onto the court so at 6-5 similar to Daniels has great size for a point guard and some of the best passing skills in this year's draft and we saw that in the NBA draft combine scrimmages Um, Nebhardt had 26 points 11 assists um, in the 5v5 at the draft combine, which is the most in the past four years at the combine. Um, he was you know, watching that film. He was orchestrating the offense and running the pick and roll to perfection, just slicing up the defense. Um, he's a fantastic floor general and excels in running a quick off- quick offense and, off- and is able to often find the look-ahead pass, which is perfect, which is the meta and prototype in this year's in this year's NBA, you want quick shots, quick offense, quick threes, you know, seven seconds or less type Suns offense with Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash, you know, all those years ago. And I think that I've watched, you know, in the tournament and, you know, leading up to the tournament, I watched a lot of Gonzaga games, you know, looking at Trent Holmgren, Drew Timmy, and Nebhard. And I've, the amount of times I saw him, you know, other team scores, bam, inbound the ball, right to Nebhard, up, easy layup, easy dunk for a teammate, easy three, running the offense very quickly, you know, next play mentality, which I think is perfect um, for an NBA point guard. 
Um, so not only is he a good you know facilitator, he is a a great shooter. He shot thirty eight percent from three this past year and has a he has a pretty form. Um, does need a little work, as I saw a lot of analysts saying that he pushes the ball forward, which is not what you want. Um, but that can easily be fixed. Um, and he has deep range, which is exactly again what you need in today's NBA. Um, my favorite thing about him is his natural playmaking skills that make him a val make him a valuable NBA player. You can insert him to an offense and they would not miss a step. He would continue the flow and the, the speed of any offense that you put him in. Uh, and these now getting into a little bit more um, analytical, you know, assist to usage um, ratio, which um, is the stat that determines how often a player gets an assist relative to how often they have the ball. Um, so among those that were invited to the NBA draft combine this year, Nebhard 1.34 ranked third best this past this past season so that's incredibly impressive um you know looking at looking at him as a playmaker um and then also his uh, assist to turnover ratio was the best among all prospects in this year's draft so you know watching the film he you could tell he's a playmaker but then also looking at the analytics he you know that just proves and sets into stone that he is a playmaker um you know and a similar player that excels in assist to turnover ratio is tyus jones who nebhard compared himself to in an interview um so why you know why do i have to make up my own comp when he's going to do it for for me um so i i really like that comp uh that player comparison tyus jones and andrew nebhard i do think though that because of andrew nebhard's side he does uh, possess more potential, um, defensive potential, um, especially. Um, so I would say the comp is just a, t a taller, better defensive uh, t uh, Tyus Jones. Um, and Tyus Jones is a great point guard in this year um, in the NBA, great backup point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. And similar to what I just said, if you put if you put Nebhardt in the offense, they wouldn't miss a step. And just like when John Moran's out of the offense, you put in Tyus Jones, the Memphis Grizzlies offense doesn't miss a step. So I think that is exactly what teams are looking for. A uh, big guard that can defend, play, make, and shoot, which is, you know, and doesn't turn the ball over. Um, so Andrew Nebhard, unlike the first two guys I mentioned, Dyson Daniels and Jeremy Shohan, um, are not lottery guys, and he's not even a first rounder. Um, so I can see him going as high as 33 to the Raptors. Um, so besides Fred Van Vliet, the Raptors do not have a real point guard and they don't really, you know, have a backup point guard. Um, and so adding Nebhard would allow him to be a six man kind of playmaker off the bench, um, spark plug off the bench that can score some, but then also can run the bench units offense. And if, you know, Van Vliet needs a rest, can come in with the starters, um, with the Gary Chents, with the OG Ananobis, with the Pascal Siakams and continue to run the offense you know, smoothly and without missing a step with fan lead on the bench. Another possibility is at pick number 42 for the Knicks. Um, as I mentioned with Daniels, for years, the Knicks have struggled to find a point guard of the future. And I don't think that, you know, I, w I would love if Nebhard turned out to be a Hall of Fame caliber all-star player. Uh, but I, so I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think Nebhard would fix that, you know, the star point guard that the Knicks need. But he can be, you know, um, again, just a six man off the bench right away. You know, he gets drafted. He can easily be in the bench unit, sixth, seventh, eighth man, you know, as I mentioned, right away, 
be put right into the offense and the team doesn't lose a step and continues um, and, con- and continues to run their offense perfectly. And so him, um, you know, Nebhard next to RJ uh, Barrett and Randall in Madison Square Garden uh, would, you know, allow Randall and RJ to take, you know, some you know, not have to do all the playmaking for the team um, and allow their scoring ability to flourish with his playmaking skills. And so I'm such a, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Nebhardt, as you guys can see. So I think wherever he goes, um, he, you know, he could, you can insert him right into your lineup and he will benefit the team, um, you know, incredible, you know, so much. And especially as a rookie, which is such incredible value from a late second round pick um, or potentially in some places, uh, some drafts he's going as undrafted. So if that would just, I think that teams need to look into him uh, more than they are right now. Um, and yeah, so that, those are my three guys and my player comp for Dyson Daniels. I forgot to mention it in the beginning. I think that he's a, um, a, um, a, a bigger Lonzo ball, Lonzo ball, six, four, six, five Dyson Daniels is one or two inches, um, uh, you know, taller than that. So I think that'd be perfect. Um, they could rebound and pass and they could defend well. Um, and both of them struggle with their shooting coming into the NBA. Um, so I think that'd be a perfect comp for him. Um, yeah, I just forgot to mention that. So I wanted to uh, put that in before we ended the episode. And yeah, so now that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much and goodbye.